He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Cats at Night. Well, it's not John Katzmatidis. Uh Take that C out and swap Curtis in. We have Lydia Saranai on, uh, the dynamic duo as it is Saranai and Curtis this evening. How you doing, Lydia? I'm doing well. I am calling from upstate New York, so I'm at a barbecue up here, but, you know, I have to call in. We have a lot of, a lot of things going on, and we're, we're WABC Radio. We're live 24-7, and especially after that Highland Park shooting where six people are dead, 24 injured, we got to keep the American people informed. Yeah, in fact, lady, I know quite a bit about Highland Park. Uh, let me just give a thumbnail sketch, uh, sketch for people. It's north of uh, Chicago and Evanston. It's where my uncles, because on my dad's side, the Polish side, they lived in Chicago. They said, oh, that's where the wealthy and the rich people live. Uh, uh, we would never be able to uh, afford to live up there because they lived in the south side. Highland Park, it's about... Uh, I'd say a good 25 miles north of the city of Chicago itself, has about 30,000 people. And I'm sure Lydia and many of our listeners, they're fans of the great classic John Hughes movies, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Weird Science, Home Alone, 16 Candles. They were all filmed in Highland Park. It's right next to Lake Forest. Uh, Grace Slick, a Jefferson airplane, came from there. It is not the place you would have ever expect to have a gunman on a roof waiting until the start of their annual 4th of July parade as he began to make their way down Main Street. Apparently with a high-powered rifle, he just kept shooting indiscriminately. Uh, Six are dead, two dozen hospitalized, and uh, he's an 18- to 20-year-old white male with long, dark hair. Uh, and still, he left the rifle at the scene of the crime, the rooftop, and the Illinois State Police and other um, uh, public safety agencies are desperately searching for him as we speak. I understand we have John himself who's doing double duty. He did four hours in the morning, uh, and now he's back in the cat's corner. Curtis, how are you? Lydia, thank you for uh, covering uh, today. I'm a uh... I did four hours this morning from 6 o'clock in the morning to 10 for Bernie and Sid. And then I did four hours at the church for the uh, opening of the uh, St. Nicholas Church down in the World Trade Center. And we had the consecration, and and uh, they spoke for a long time. And now I'm, uh, I'm the uh, head speaker for the uh, Clergy Lady Congress, which is the, uh, the church uh, congress. We know we have 580 churches, and we have five representatives for, uh, from every of uh, the 580 churches in North America. And uh, they expect me to be here at 5 o'clock for the uh, opening speech. But they're working; they're running on Greek time. So I had a few minutes, so I figured I'd call in and say hi. And how's your day going, Curtis? Oh, I've been uh, at the Travis Fourth of July Parade in Staten Island, which is the longest parade in the nation. Thankfully, no problems like you saw in Highland Park in Chicago. It's one of the few places, John, where Democrats actually marched together with Republicans. It was the first time that Andrew Giuliani marched with his uh, lovely daughter and his lovely wife. And they were everybody was getting along, walking through the side streets. You would have thought it was a throwback to the 1950s. 
cheering, patriotic pride, and then to pass by Coney Island on my way back and to find out that in the annual hot dog eating contest that Joey Chestnut won again, a demonstrator jumped on the stage, like with Dave Chappelle, like when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock, tried to interrupt the contest, and Joey Chestnut, who was on crutches, he grabbed the guy, he yoked him, he threw him to the ground, the cops came up, and he kept eating hot dogs, and he won the hot dog eating contest, eating 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Oh, my God. I got indigestion just thinking about it. But, <laughs> Curtis, you you guys cover this. I'll be back at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, to uh, cover Sydney being on vacation, along with uh, Bernie McGurk. And, and to our audience, uh, happy Independence Day. I love you guys. I, I, I miss very few of these, but religion calls, God's calling, and um, I'll talk to you in the morning, Curtis. Pleasure, pleasure, John. Uh, Lydia, I need to share with you in the audience, I actually attended one of those uh, Greek ceremonies. Uh, They were uh, uh, putting together a basilica in Havana, and they went on and on for like four or five hours. Finally, John and I, we left. We we had to leave. Everybody wanted to. Was that in Cuba? Yes, in Havana, Cuba. Everybody had to give a speech. Romanians, Serbians, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. It went on and on, and finally John said to me, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. It was a great tra- uh, trip and a great time. But, boy, the news today, what normally is a relatively quiet day with fireworks and celebrations all over the country, explosive. Uh, Akron, Ohio, they expect another night of no justice, no peace demonstrations, and maybe rioting in downtown Akron. Uh, as you know, there was a... Uh, uh, black motorist Jalen Walker, 25, apparently after a high-speed chase, he had shot at the uh, police officers who were in their car. And when they cornered him, he had a mask on, no gun. The gun was in the car, but they ended up firing 90 shots. 60 of them hit him. And let me tell you something. Uh, I expect gasoline on the fire. Every activist is showing up. Every Black Lives Matter person is showing up from the surrounding area. I anticipate there's going to be a lot of problems there into the wee hours of the morning, Lydia. Well, I know they put in a curfew for this evening, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the motorists shoot at the police first? I know the is trying to portray it that he discharged his weapon. And he didn't aim it at the police. But the bottom line is, if you're a motorist, if you're a driver, if you have a weapon in your hands and you don't put it down, especially if you discharge it. Now, obviously, 60 bullets, that is overkill. But clearly, there was some sort of reason for the police to do something like this. They don't just go around and randomly shoot somebody 60 times. Right. Well, there were uh, a total of eight officers who discharged their weapons. Seven happened to be white. One happened to be black. Uh, And LeBron James has chimed in. LeBron James is originally from Akron. So a guy like him can blow something up, especially that's his hometown. Uh, So far, the leaders have remained cool, calm, and collected. But you know what happens, uh, Lydia. No justice, no peace. Black Lives Matter, Antifa. That's the Midwest. That's not far from Chicago. That's not far from other areas that have had uh, really riot situations at times. And in the meantime... Nobody's paying attention to what happened in Kentucky outside of Louisville where cops were trying to serve a warrant for the arrest of a guy named uh, 
Lance Storrs for domestic abuse of his wife. They went to the house at 7 p.m. There was a captain and a deputy from the Prestonburg Police Department. There was a canine dog, Drago, a canine handler, Jacob Chaffins. This guy knew they were coming. And you see, they didn't do a no-knock warrant, which normally they would do in the wee hours of the morning when the guy is sleeping. And Lydia, he had already set up pre-positioned firearms throughout the home, and he starts shooting through the door. He's firing hundreds of rounds. He kills the first four, including the dog. And then other police departments come in from surrounding areas. It's an all-out siege. That's why you have to let police do raids at like 3, 4 in the morning when people are just about falling asleep. And it can't be required you knock on the door. Because you imagine this guy, you knock on his door, he's got all these weapons loaded at the ready. you got to do the no-knock warrant where you kick in the door and then you take the suspect out and you bring him for arraignment and for booking. Right. I just, uh, this Jalen Walker, the Akron, Ohio, why is it that the media, every time we see a picture of these suspects, or if you want to call them victim, whatever you want to call this person, it's always a picture of them from like their eighth grade graduation, where they look so sweet and innocent. I, I just wish that the media would portray things accurately. They keep saying he was shot 60 times, 60 times, and the media is pouring gasoline on this fire instead of exactly stating the facts of what happened, that he fled a scene, that he pointed his weapon, that he fired at the police, and that there were eight officers like you had just laid it out. Why do they always do this, Curtis? I know it's about ratings. I know the more divisive they are, the more people tune in. But at what point do we have some sort of moral compass, a duty to the American people to just lay out the facts as they are? Well, it also has to do with color. Uh, The police commissioner is white. Uh, most of the police officers here were white. The suspect was black. There was only one black police officer. You know that that is a ingredient we've grown up with, white versus black, especially when it's white police officers engaging with a black suspect, that it's a recipe for headlines depending on how it goes. Look, we had Amadou Diallo here in 1999. He got shot 41 times on the steps of his apartment in the South Bronx. The cops who were part of the street crime unit, they thought it was a gun. It turned out to be a wallet. Uh, We had to live with that. Demonstrations every day. I remember Sean Bell. uh, He was getting married the next day. They had a bachelor party uh, uh, in southeast Queens. It was under um, surveillance by the police department because of prostitution. And all of a sudden, his wedding party, uh, party clashed with the undercover police officers Shot was fired, and then 50 shots later, John Bell is dead, two others are shot. Eventually, the cops were cleared. But I'm telling you, whenever it involves white cops and black suspects, it immediately gets everybody's attention. It's unfortunate uh, that we can't look beyond the color, but we are racially driven when we describe events in America, Lydia Serrano. Except when the suspect is a black person, like we saw in Waukesha, Wisconsin, the man that used, remember they said he, well, he used his vehicle or they were trying to kind of change that narrative. It was a black man who's a black nationalist who drove into a Christmas parade, killing the majority of white people. Immediately, as soon as this incident happened in Highland Park, we heard that the suspect was white. 
I think regardless of the of the color of the person, if you're looking for somebody, if you're describing a suspect, you should give the race. But as a person who was in the media, the mainstream media for almost 20 years, we were told to not specify if the suspect happened to be black. Don't say it. It gives negative connotations. And I thought it was so ridiculous because here we are describing what the person wears, how old they are. But then conspicuously, we wouldn't say the person's race. And so here we have another incident where now there's a suspect on the loose and immediately, which they should, they say the person is white. But when the suspect is black, why does the media always leave that part out? The bottom line is this person is a killer. They will catch him. He's still on the loose. And it's just a horrible day, which should have been a day which I'm doing right now. I'm celebrating with my family. It's my niece's birthday. It's the 4th of July. Instead, six people are dead, 24 in the hospital, and a maniac is on the loose. The police have recovered the high-powered weapon. And correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, doesn't Chicago have some of the strictest gun laws on the book? Oh, yeah, and uh, that county, that's Lake County to the north. But isn't it interesting? You mentioned Waukesaw. They have preserved the tradition of the annual Christmas parade. That's where that carnage took place. Uh, with a guy in the SUV just slamming into those grandmothers because he wanted to get as many white people as he could. Uh, that wasn't mentioned at all, as you mentioned, for days and days and days. But very few communities uh, have their Christmas parades. Very few communities have their Fourth of July parades. I was in Travis on Staten Island. That's the longest-running Fourth of July parade in the nation. Thankfully, calm, cool, collected Democrats and Republicans coming together together. But Highland Park is one of the few communities that have maintained that tradition. And I don't think that tradition is going to continue because of this uh, horror. But think of it also in this respect. We went through that right here in New York City with Frank James. We don't even hear any, any word about him. You, and I'm not talking about Jesse James's brother. I'm talking Frank James, the black guy who comes into our city, gets on that uh, Q train early in the morning and at 36th Street, sets off the smoke bombs, shoots 32 times, hits 10 people, and then walks around our city like he was like he was on vacation until the next day when he gets collared. Do you know that at this moment, after R. Kelly was sentenced to 30 years and he's being uh, housed in the Brooklyn House of uh, Detention in Sunset Park, do you know who his cellmate is? Frank James. That's right. They 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 sing. <laughs> they sing Broadway show tunes to the other inmates under a carousel. What's going to Oh happen? my god. What's going to happen when R Kelly is finally shipped to a, a federal detention facility out of state and Frank James is left behind? It's going to break their hearts. I don't know which guy is the Maytag. I'm assuming that Frank James is the Maytag to R Kelly. But you couldn't write a script like that. You can't make this up. And now R. Kelly saying that they put him on suicide watch to penalize him. You never want to be on suicide watch. Well, you see, remember, when you're on suicide watch, they put another inmate in your cell. You remember, you don't believe Jeffrey Epstein took his uh, own life. I don't believe he took his own life because the inmate who was supposedly sent to his cell was pulled from his cell. That's what they traditionally do in jails and prisons if somebody's on a suicide watch. They give you a cellmate. Their job is to keep an eye on you to make sure that you don't try to take your own life. So Frank James is in the cell with R. Kelly to make sure that R. Kelly doesn't take his life, Lydia Serrani. Uh, You can't make this up. You cannot make this up. I, I was hearing some of the victims of R. Kelly saying, 
they wish they would have been put to death because yeah. they feel that their innocence was taken away. I mean, he 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 brutalized. One one last thing before we go to break. Uh, I was in Staten Island earlier today for the parade, but not far from Park Hill in the North Shore. A 14-year-old had pulled out a gun and tried to execute two members of the NYPD. A 14-year-old thug at 10 o'clock at night on Prince Street and Vanderbilt Avenue. And now we're going to see what McMahon, the DA, does. Uh, if somebody else comes along and says, oh, he's too young, you know, they didn't quite understand, uh, he's had some issues at home, all the furniture upstairs rearranged in the wrong rooms. He tried to execute two members of the NYPD, a 14-year-old thug. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis. And you're a classic example of the people who built this country. On 77 WABC. John Katsimatidis will be in tomorrow morning as he co-hosts the morning show with Bernard McGurk as Sid Rosenberg is away on uh, vacation this week. Uh, I'm... uh, uh, doing the show with Lydia Serrani on our nation's birthday. Glory Haliaski, hallelujah. And Lydia, you're going to love this story. So in the heart of Minneapolis, yesterday at the Target Center, which is the equivalent of Madison Square Gardens, where the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, play their basketball games and the hockey team plays their uh, hockey games, it was Somali week. The place was packed, 18,000 Somalians and uh, men and women from Senegal who are refugees, and they live in North Minneapolis. And it's Congresswoman Ilhan Omar who came out on the stage, and they all booed her. They said, get the F off the stage. Shut up. Get out of here. And so the, the, Somalis, yep. the Somalis feel about her. They feel about her, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, the way I think a lot of the Latin, I'm not even going to say Latinx, but the Latinas and Latinos and Hispanic people feel about AOC. She is not representative of what they feel. She's a radical, and they know it, and they called her out. And did you see her on stage kind of smiling and then seeing kind of almost a little shocked, but not really, and trying to ignore it? It was so embarrassing. Oh, but, no, no you know, doubt. It's time people wake up. When she first ran, they all loved her. Because obviously, she's part of the same ethnic group for a Somalian to uh, get into the House, uh, second Muslim ever to be elected into the House. But then slowly but surely, all of our policy statements as part of the squad, they were saying that that doesn't represent our values, our culture, our beliefs. So here it is. She thought she was going to come out and get applause, uh, 18,000 people. The host and the hostess who who were running the event had to come out and tell the crowd, stop, this is our congresswoman. You get the hell off the stage. F you. It was great. Uh, anybody gets an opportunity out there, you got to check the video. It's hot. And then could you believe the chutzpah? Can you believe the hubris of Governor Gavin Newsom, who cannot even run his state, who almost lost in a recall election to Larry Elder, He's now running ads in Florida with tax dollars, urging residents to leave Florida and to come to California. He said Florida bans books. It makes it harder to vote. It restricts your speech in the classroom. It criminalizes women and abortion doctors. 
come to California. And this reminds me what our mayor, Lydia Serrano, did. Remember Eric Adams, after uh, DeSantis, the governor, signed the legislation that said you cannot sexualize any curriculum up until about the fourth, fifth grade. Uh, you know, and then he was hoping that gays and lesbians and transgenders would move to New York. Not one person has moved up to New York, and he's got billboards all over the place. This is crazy. Are they delusional or are they just stupid? California is so high taxed. I was just reading an article, Curtis, that in order to live in San Francisco, you have to have now a net worth of $1.7 million dollars. It's become the haves and the have-nots, the filthy rich and the poor, the people defecating on the streets, walking around like zombies because they're so drugged out of their minds. And who lives in who lives in San Francisco? Who's from San Francisco? Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters. That's what they want to create America. They want this caste system where where you have the filthy rich and the poor, and the poor is beholden to the rich, and they say, don't worry, I got you, I'll take care of you, the check will be in the mail, while they have all the power and the control, and you are just suffering, and you are dependent upon these checks just to get your next meal. That's what their plan is for America. But, I mean, it's so ridiculous, this progressive paradise, right? That's what they wanted for San Francisco. And now just to survive, just to live there, to be considered middle class, you have to make almost $2 million a year. That's well, about, how ridiculous our country has become. About the only people who would take uh, Gavin Newsom up on his offer to leave Florida or even leave New York or anywhere along the East Coast to go to California are uh, beach bum surf boys because they don't have the shock problem there. Lydia, look at this situation in Florida. A surfer fell off his board. He had caught a wave. The next thing he knows, chomp, there's a shark on his leg that won't let go. And he's punching the shark in the snout because he's learned that's the only way you can get that shark. Oh, you got to punch him right in the snout and try to put your fingers in their eyes. Yeah, good luck. He escaped. He has serious injuries. Uh, the other young lady who had to fight off a shark off the coast of Florida, she's having her leg amputated. Yesterday in Suffolk County, a lifeguard, Zach Gallo, we don't have enough lifeguards to begin with, so they're practicing with other lifeguards. What do you do if somebody gets a shark bite and they're already out there? How do you bring them to shore? And guess what? As he's pretending to be the victim, a shark came up and bit him. And almost dragged him under. He's bleeding all over. The other lifeguards are wondering, wow, they make this so real to life. He goes, no, I've been bit by a shark. They drag him to shore. He was punching the shark in its snout. Today, he's in every newscast. You see all, all the wounds. And now the great white sharks are heading up to take on the liberals and progressives in Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard. Do you think any of those liberals and progressives will even put their toes in the water now, Lydia? Absolutely not. And this is why I don't like going into the ocean water. I don't like going into the send me to the pool or the Caribbean or Puerto Rico. I never go out deep. Just like when I hear about these bear attacks, I think to myself, well, what do you expect? You're in the wilderness. My sister-in-law, we're here in upstate New York. She says, oh, I always go by this path, this trail. I love to go hiking, but I always get bit by ticks. Well, why are you going? You're going into their territory. <laughs> so that just say, that I, take me back to the Bronx where there are no, no oh, that's where I'm from. No, no bears, no, no sharks. Just now you got to worry about the gunshots. 
no, I, you I, know, I, 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 I got to disappoint you, Liddy. I, I can't <laughs> believe what happened today. This is the first time in my life, 68 years. Every July 4th, the Mets play games, the Yankees play games. It's a tradition. When we were younger, they had double headers. And everyone looked forward to a doubleheader on July 4th. Shea Stadium, you had the Mets there. Yankees Stadium, you had the... Do you know today the Yankees are not playing baseball? For some odd quirk in the schedule, the most famous franchise in the world for baseball is not playing on July 4th. Now, that's an omen. That's an omen, omen of things to come, Lydia. You know, you cut my veins and arteries, I bleed Yankee pinstripes. But there's no baseball on July 4th. But there was a hot dog eating contest. Yes, and oh, let me tell you something. You know, I competed in 1996. Yes. I finished third. I ate 16 hot dogs in 12 minutes. They shaved two minutes off the contest because all of a sudden when Kobayashi, the Japanese uh, competitor, came over and for eight straight years won the championship, he had boosted the number. He was eating like 42, 48 hot dogs in 12 minutes. They felt somebody would choke out. And then all of a sudden they found this guy, Chestnut, Joey Chestnut from uh, Fresno, California, who battled Kobayashi. Today he's on the stage. He's the reigning champion. Last year set the world's record, 76 Nathan hot dogs in 10 minutes. He's two minutes into the contest. He's clearly ahead. And a guy jumps up on the stage dressed all in black, an animal rights activist, Peter guy with a sign. And Joey Chestnut, he's on crutches. He had pulled a tendon. He grabs the guy, he yokes him with one arm, he strangles him, and he keeps eating the hot dogs. He keeps eating the hot dogs. The contest was over in 10 minutes. He had eaten 63 hot dogs, 20 more than the second-place finisher, champion again, and the young lady, Mickey Sudo, who was competing uh, in the last year of my contest, uh, she had to uh, take off last year. She was having a baby. She won it. She ate 40 hot dogs. In 10 minutes. 40. Wow. The tradition. It's disgusting. I've, I've actually witnessed the Nathan's hot dog eating contest in person, like right up close. I was covering it as a story, and it makes you nauseous. They're dipping the hot dog with the bread in the water, shoving it in their mouth. It makes you never want to eat another hot dog again. And I love Nathan's hot dogs. But after you watch that contest in person, it is, it's just disgusting. Well, the, How was your stomach after the 16? The rules I can't are imagine. You, you have to keep it down for 10 minutes. They watch it. Everybody has a, a judge who watches it. Because if you upchuck after 10 minutes, you're disqualified. Uh, at the time, we had a newswoman who was covering it. I said, you know something? Let's go ride the cyclone. She said, are you crazy? I'm not riding that cyclone with you. You're going to upchuck it all over. I said, I want to prove I'm a man's man. I got on that cyclone. I got to tell you, Lydia Serrani, a few times, <laughs> it almost exploded. But I held it in like a man's man. Now I couldn't even qualify for the contest. I couldn't even qualify. And now they have people attacking on the stage, like Dave Chappelle got attacked, like uh, Chris Rock got smacked by Will Smith. It just seems to be it's part of this cycle. If you're on a stage, there's a good chance somebody's going to jump up on the stage, try to uh, protest whatever they're protesting, or worse yet, maybe even physically attack you. Anyway, we're coming back. We're going to play some of the cuts from uh, this morning. Lydia Serrani is upstate, enjoying the 4th of July with her family. 
We're going to come back with Janine Pirro as I hold down the fort here for John Katsimatidis. And remember, you get another four hours of John Katsimatidis in the morning, as you had earlier today when he went solo. Tomorrow he'll be joined by Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg is on vacation exclusively here on WABC where it's live and local. We never play best of because that's worst of. You deserve live and local programming every day. He knows New York. He loves New York. He is New York. He's got plenty of ideas on how to bring change. He is John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Uh, I'm thinking back when John and I were growing up, we'd be watching the Million Dollar Movie. Lydia, this is before your time. You weren't even birthed. The Million Dollar Movie would be on Channel 9 every night, the same night. And they would repeat the same movie all five nights. And every July 4th that week, they would play Yankee Doodle Dandy starring James Cagney. And he would say, I'm Yankee Doodle Dandy, born on the 4th of July Oh, people couldn't get enough of that. And I'm still thinking to myself, this this is George Steinbrenner's birthday if he was still alive. And the freaking Yankees are not playing on July 4th. This is a double disgraziata. (laughs) But anyway, you know, there's going to be a huge fireworks display here, Macy's uh, over the East River and all up and down the East Coast, towns and villages, boroughs. But I'm saying to myself... I don't know what it is about Judge Jeanine Pirro. It's like every time she talks, it's like when I was a kid throwing ash cans, cherry bombs, Roman candles, blockbusters. She she brings her A game as she did with John Katsimatidis earlier today on the WABC uh, Sid and Bernie Morning Show. With us uh, this morning to celebrate the 4th of July is Jeanine Pirro. Jeanine, are you there? I am here. How are you, John? Happy 4th. Happy 4th. We are mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. AOC backed nine assembly candidates. Seven of the nine lost. Lost. It's the rise and fall of AOC. She didn't rise for very long, but she's down. And I'm saying to the common sense Democrats, there's a few common sense Democrats up there. Enough is anymore. Enough is enough. Have a little bit of courage to stand up against these people. Well, everyone is afraid of them, John. And what happens is when you've got these leftist mayors and governors, they don't call for consequences. Look, we've got a governor right now, Hochul. She says, oh, I, you know, I don't want any more crime. Well, you're stupid. Let me tell you something. If you don't want any more crime, then get your butt to the legislature and tell them to repeal this cashless bail. You talk to your girlfriend, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, your other friend, Carl Heasey, and you decide that American and New Yorkers are worth more than the criminals who are on the street. And I'm sick of their taking down the Second Amendment. You know, you can talk about abortion all you want. I don't care what side you're on. But between you, me, and the rest of the world, abortion is not in the Constitution. And the Supreme Court said, hey, this is a democracy. Let the democracy decide. Yeah, it's it's not a few individuals that decide. Let let the democracy decide. It's a, the yeah. Supreme Court says I'm sending it back to the states because it's not our 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 call. It's it's the states. Call. It, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that abortion should be legal or or or, or, or it is constitutional. By well, the way, the Supreme Court didn't say it wasn't uh, constitutional. They were agnostic. They yeah. left it up to the states. And, and so, that's what, what the 
Supreme Court did with the EPA, and everybody says, oh, all, the, all the newspapers say, oh, my God, we're going to choke to death with all the pollution. The Supreme Court oh, didn't oh, say oh, that. They're, they're a bunch, how do you say, liars? Can we call them liars? I mean, these well, newspapers uh, have to tell the truth. These well, other stations have to truth. tell the and truth. You know what? Who taught us that? Who taught America that there's a fake news? Donald Trump told that to America. Well, but my point is the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, that is as clear as day in that, in that Constitution. And in this Constitution, it is clear that we have the right not only to have guns, but to bear arms. And that means not in your bathroom while you're well, while you're. I, I think Albany wants to give us muskets or something. Yeah, well, Albany wants to repeal that, and they can't because it's constitutional. Look, they want to change this country, and this country goes. We're not going to change. We're, 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 no. They're going to change. You know, if they don't like it, let them leave. We'll buy them one-way tickets to Venezuela. Well, Venezuela or wherever else they want to go. They want to go to Cuba. Where do they want to go? I don't know. Nobody's they, breaking they into like Cuba. Have country. you seen anybody breaking into Cuba? <laughs> How about Mexico? How about Mexico? How about that remain in Mexico? Joe Biden wants to change this country, and he's doing more than anyone else with open borders and his nonsensical vice president. The two of them are in la-la land. I've never seen two more incompetent people in my life. What you've got is Joe Biden, who still says, what do you think, I'm a mind reader? Like, I, I'm supposed to know that we're going to be out of baby formula? No, you're the president. You're the chief executive officer of this country. Well, they, they, had, they had the Abbott Laboratories. So it makes a lot of the uh, uh, formula closed, and they wouldn't give them the licensing to reopen, and that was part of the problem. That was the problem, and they, and they slow walked it. They knew about it in October, and they waited till December. Then they waited till January. Then they waited. Till America December. is oh. under attack. Well, and let's make a change. Is. Let's make a change November. this November and bring balance back to our country because our country is in deep doo doo right now. Now about deep shit. Thanks, John. Bye. <laughs> wow, Lydia Sharon brought it. John Katsimatidis and Judge Janine, they both brought it. I believe, I agree with John, America's under attack, whether it be our legal system, our school system, we see our national security system, every which way we are under attack. And what's really frightening to me is that our Democratic leaders are not only allowing it, they're aiding and abetting it. Oh, yeah. Meantime, (laughs) you're talking about America under attack. I'm looking at this uh, Bronx teen who was on a scooter. It's like 1.30 in the afternoon, and they're having a shootout on 156th Street like it's the Wild West. These guys are on scooters. They're shooting at gang members on the street hanging outside of a bodega who are on foot. The guys on foot are shooting back at the scooters. No arrests, no cops. The criminals win again. And as you know, Lydia, you're from the Bronx. The people on that block and in that area, 156, no, you better not even venture outside because there will be a retaliatory cycle of the motorcycle guys coming back to fire on the thugs on the corner who fired on them. This city is completely out of control, completely out of control. But I thought Hochul just signed legislation that you're not allowed to have guns here, <laughs> there, and everywhere. So where where are these guns coming from, Curtis? Think of this. Uh in order to get a carry permit, 
which should be available, especially if you have a premise permit, which means, Lydia, if you qualify to have a gun in your home or your place of business, you just can't carry it anywhere. You should be able to qualify for a concealed carry permit. Uh, she is saying, absolutely not. You're out of your mind. This will add to more problems. Imagine if you lived on 156th Street and the gangs were preying on you and they were telling you all the things they were going to do to you and you can't have a concealed carry permit. Meantime, they not only carry it, they don't conceal it. They cap shots in the air and they keep everybody hostage. Isn't it like 97% crime committed with illegal weapons? So then why are they so obsessed with regulating legal weapons? Well, there is a remedy. They just need to hire more cops. Uh, I think you saw the graduation in Madison Square Garden on Friday. There were only 500 cops who graduated. They were hoping for a class of 1,000. They can't attract cops. Uh, Other cops, as you know, Lydia, are leaving in mass, uh, early retirement, normal retirement, or they're resigning because they're being recruited by county sheriffs, by state police departments, by municipal police departments. We're down to 34,500 cops. That's a dangerous level because, you know, this time of year, each precinct has to send cops to the beaches because the beaches need cops. All the festivals, all the parades, they have to have cops. So as bad as it is uh, before Memorial Day, it's even worse after Memorial Day to Labor Day because there are less cops in the precincts because they have to take on all those other duties. And we are going to have a rough time this summer with no hope of hiring any more cops. So we got a big problem ahead of us, Lydia. But but I thought Mayor Adams was a law and order candidate here. Well, he was. I'm very confused. I was very disappointed because he has been out to the Travis uh, Fourth of July parade once before when he was Brooklyn Borough President. And he did get a good reception then because I'm there every year with the Guardian Angels. I think other than if there was some kind of emergency we're not aware of or some kind of a special situation, it would have been good if he would have come out to Travis. Nobody would have booed him because that's the one parade where Democrats walk with Republicans. They put aside politics, and it's all about celebrating the birthday of America and the flag, the flag that unites us. Uh, Hopefully next year the mayor will find time to come out to Travis because it's a great unifying parade. I'll give you an example. You know how Nicole Maliotakis and Max Rose battled the last time. They were both there walking side by side, even though you know uh, a few weeks before the election in November, they're going to be at each other's throats. There was Vito Fasella, who's a regular guest uh, on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, the borough president, Joe Borelli. But there was also Diane Savino and Cusick, the Democrats. This is a place where finally people of different political points of view can get together. You go through the side streets, Lydia. There are people sitting with their hibachi grills, their lawn chairs. They serve you up hot dogs, beers. You know, this is the one day more people drink beer than any other year, uh, day of the year. More people smoke joints than any other day of the year, although no joints at this parade. But it's like everybody should be going to this parade. And New Jersey, which has been... Uh, voted the least patriotic state in the nation because of Governor Murphy, who does nothing patriotic. And Newark, New Jersey, has been voted the least patriotic city in America. You would think they would have come over the Outer Bridge Crossing, Gothel's Bridge, Bayonne Bridge, to experience the great patriotism of Americana. But no, and you know, very little media there, unfortunately, Lydia. 
very little media to capture that and relate that to all the people who are going to be watching tonight after the fireworks go off. Well, I'm worried about the state of our city. Did you see that story about the New York City bodega worker that stabbed to death a a customer? He was trying to steal a bag of chips, and then the bodega worker tried to stop him because he'd been stealing before. They got into an altercation, and so now this thief is dead. Well, accused thief, excuse me, and the bodega worker is charged with murder because people have had enough. It shouldn't get to this point where we're having people that are shoplifting at least 100 times in one week, and it's a revolving door. And this is what happens. People have had enough. You're it's right. kind of like, what is that What is that guy, Charles Bronson? You know, they're starting to take matters into their own hands. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired and being taken advantage of by the criminals because the cops are just letting them out or not even bother picking them up to begin with. You're right. And when you run a grocery store bodega and you're open till the wee hours of the morning, uh, the thugs and the criminals treat you as if you're an ATM machine because they know you got cash on hand. And if you don't defend your store, if you don't defend your fellow workers, they're going to keep coming at you day in, day out, all day long. The kids will come in like locusts through the aisles. The adults will come in and go right to the refrigerated case, steal the beer and the uh, Colt 45 and the old English walk out. Uh, they come over the counter. They grab cigarettes. They grab everything and dare you to do anything, telling them snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And there's nobody to protect these merchants. There's nobody to protect these workers. In fact, if you're in a bodega or a grocery store, uh, once it's dusk, it may well be the most dangerous job in the city in terms of you losing your life, you getting hurt, you getting threatened, you getting robbed on a regular basis. I, I, I wouldn't want a small business owner in New York City. That, that's for sure. Well, when we come back, Lydia, Saran, I, we're going to hear from Bill O'Reilly, who was rocking the microphone with our own John Katsimatidis uh, earlier today when he did the morning show solo. In fact, John will be back again for another four-hour stint, 6 to 10 tomorrow morning, this time with Bernard McGurk. As Sid Rosenberg is on vacation this week, all exclusively on WABC, where you only get live and local programming, no refried beans, No replays, no all day long today. What have you had here at WABC that you don't have up and down the aisle? FM, AM stations, live and local programming exclusively here at WABC. Great guests, great conversation, and the truth. Giving you both sides of the story. He's a great role model. When he does get involved, he's all in. John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Curtis Lee was substituting for John Katzmatidis, Lydia Serrani, co-hostess of the uh, 5 o'clock roundtable. Uh, you're up there in upstate New York, right? Yes, I am, and it's it's beautiful and sunny. We saw dead deer on the side of the road, but well, that's the only unpleasant thing. I guess it's better than some dead bodies. Well, like I, I tell you, if, if you go to Finger Lakes or Lake George there, you won't have to worry about sharks uh, getting you. You won't be shark bait there. <laughs> But I I will give you a little side story. So we're at the Travis Fourth of July parade. All the politicos are there. Unfortunately, Eric Adams was not. He really needs to be there. But Mike McMahon, the DA in Staten Island, was there. And there are so many WABC listeners along the parade route, which goes through the neighborhood. People are yelling at him, you better not arrest Rudy Giuliani for filing a false police report, which is what Eric Adams wanted to do him to do. 
I got to tell you, Mike McMahon was looking at the crowd like uh, like the crowd was Jaws on both sides, and he was humble. He was quiet. I have a feeling he's not even going to contemplate trying to arrest our Kumbadi Chich here at WABC, Rudy Giuliani. Anyway, at this point, uh, fabulous interview this morning with a great historian. If any of you want to know about great history in America, you got to get the series of books written by Bill O'Reilly. I remember when I was recovering at Columbia Presbyterian from uh, eight and a half hours surgery for Crohn's disease. Uh, Bill O'Reilly sent me the book about the American Revolution killing Washington. I learned so much from that, and I consider myself an amateur historian. His books are so good, but he was discussing with John Katzmatidis earlier today about people who claim to hate America and how you get through to them. Uh, Bill O'Reilly wanted to be on the phone with us. And I, did, I, Bill. Like to be, I think I was directed to be. I, I say uh, we, we had dinner on Saturday night, and we were with a, a few folks, and, and I said, Bill, please call in. And All right. Tell us, how do you feel on this 4th of July, Bill O'Reilly? These people that are picketing and doing this and doing that, Horrible. saying they hate America. I said, if, if you hate America, leave. You know? Well, Get out. I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that entirely. I think that the people who hate America should be confronted by the other people who understand what America is, thereby rendering lessons to the younger Americans who don't quite understand this country. So there are about 20%, according to all the polls, of Americans that despise their country, that want socialism, communism, want to throw everything out, totalitarianism. They don't like what we have here. And each of them have their own reasons. A lot of it's personal. As I write about Michelle Obama, who said at, at one point in the 2016 campaign, for the first time, I'm proud of my country. Remember that? And yep. Well, you talk about Michelle Obama, and I have nothing against the lady. I, I've met her. But, but her time in Princeton University, her papers that she wrote at Princeton University, Princeton University locked them up and won't allow them out. She is like a Hillary. public figure. Why, like why, why, um, why, why aren't they letting it out? I mean, because we want to know how she really feels about America. Because they're anti-American, because she watched her father, who was a school janitor in Chicago, get battered. And that shaped Michelle Obama. But the irony is that Michelle Obama, once she figured out, and Michelle Obama was only at Princeton because of a scholarship. Because the system allowed someone who was smart, like Mrs. Obama, to go to Princeton free. Now, I never went anywhere free. Most of the people said, you can't come here anyway because you're obnoxious. <laughs> so I didn't get any of that. But I don't resent that because I, I could go back to Levittown and paint houses and make money because this is America. Wow. Can you imagine Bill O'Reilly going back to Levittown to paint houses in order to make money? Can you imagine that, Lydia Serrano? 
<laughs> well, I, I <laughs> that's funny that he admits that he, he can be obnoxious. I like Bill O'Reilly, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you, you do not want to be on the bad side of Bill O'Reilly. I, I remember his producer, Rob Mitchell, was like big, one of the big muckety mucks at Fox News now. And he wanted me to speak to Bill O'Reilly. And Bill was, he had the clouds over his head. You know, he's a tall guy. He's walking down the street. I say, Bill, you know, Rob Mitchell wanted me to speak with you. I saw him in Portland, Oregon. He was a news guy there, one of the anchors at the local broadcast. I had just started the Guardian Angels in the early 80s in uh, Portland, Oregon. He has not changed Lydia Serrani since, like you, he was a gumshoe reporter and anchor person in Portland, Oregon years and years ago. He said he's tough. He's tough. He was also a high school history teacher in a pretty bad part, uh, I believe, in Florida. So he, that's that's where the kind of historian comes comes into play as well. But he's a tough guy, and he's a smart guy, and he is tall. He can be intimidating. I like him, but he he's he's you know he tells it like it is. And remember, Lydia, it was back on April twentieth when he had that confrontation. Uh, at the counter for JetBlue, he was taking his uh, yearly trip with his buddies. They go to some West Indian island for a week. And remember, that's when the airline started lying to everybody. Oh, you know, flight delays, weather, we're, we're delaying. Meantime, they had no pilots, no co-pilots, no mechanics, no stewards, no stewardesses. He caught so much heat for that. People say, oh, typical Bill O'Reilly. He needs anger management. And yet he led, and look at the mess we're in now that he predicted. Right. He did. He did. I mean, you know, look, at it's thousands of flights are being canceled. Pilots are protesting. It's it's a mess. You couldn't pay me to travel. You couldn't pay me enough to travel. I'm I'm done. And think of it. People so desperate to travel, they're taking Amtrak. Oh, you got to have a lot of patience for that. And even pounding the hound, taking the Greyhound. uh <laughs> And the Peter Pan bus, I'm telling you something. In my entire life, I would never take the Peter Pan bus out of Springfield, Missouri, which covers the whole Northeast. I'd rather hitchhike on the on the highways. Well, what about the subway? Oh, yeah. Well, the subway, that's a hot mess now. Every other day. <laughs> it, it is so unfortunate. But Lydia Serrani, you have brought clarity from upstate New York to the situation. <laughs> I'm sitting here in the studios of WABC having come back from Coney Island, the hot dog eating contest with Joey Chestnut, who had a fight off a guy who jumped on the stage. With one arm, he yokes him. The other arm, he keeps eating hot dogs to remain the champion. (laughs) And the best of all was the Travis Fourth of July parade because we even were able to convince people from New Jersey, rated the most unpatriotic state, to come over the bridges and spend a great afternoon there. And boy, the people love WABC because they say you're always live, you're always local, you have different hosts and hostesses like you, Lydia, like our owner-operator, John, and it just keeps clicking up. And like up. you, always always broadcasting, Curtis, and in the words of John Katzmatidis, God bless New York, God bless America, and we are praying for the people of Highland Park. <laughs> 